You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York blues. Brian. Scott. Brian, it turns out that Deshaun Watson is simply embarking on an insatiable hunt for massage therapy. <laughs> what is it that you hunt for insatiably, Brian? <laughs> I don't know, like fresh mozzarella, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I hunt with the same level of intensity, it seems, that Deshaun Watson. Just, you know, he's just a man who is very passionate about massage therapy. Uh, yeah, about why. Also receiving it, not giving it. Very right. passionate about receiving massages. Right. It's very critical. <laughs> Oh, man, what a line that was. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, I'm sad about Deshaun Watson, just the whole thing, that it turns out he's potentially this kind of person, um, that it is what it looks like, you know, and just how, you know, it just stinks. He was this exciting young quarterback, seemed like a great guy, you know, so fun to watch, and now it's just like, Uh, You know, and then he had all this thing with the ownership of his team and you kind of were like on his side that, you know, they were. And to have it go like this and just this creep and then his whole defense is just so awful, you know, like, um, you know, getting the other women to be like, I've massaged him and didn't nothing inappropriate had. Although one then said that he did uh, have an erect penis. And another one said, you know, just like, uh, and oh, yes, I did have sex with some of them, but it's not, you know, it's like, dude, it's, it's it is what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. It is so disappointing. First of all, there feels like a weird added layer of betrayal because I didn't want to like Deshaun Watson. I don't like Clemson. I don't like Dabo Sweeney. So I don't really want to like their players, but I sort of was like, you know, I kind of like Deshaun Watson. And I was excited because I thought he was going to kind of like open the NFL up to almost a new era of, uh, you know, player empowerment and, you know, just sort of mix things up a little. Like as much as I don't always love how the NBA operates with player movement, I also don't like how the NFL operates. I don't like that it's, you know, it seems like teams have so much power except except somehow it seems like neither New York team ever has any power. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's probably part of the resentment, but yeah, just all around. What do you think it's like to be another NFL player too, like a quarterback who see, who saw the start of this thing. And it's like, Oh man, Deshaun might op- end up opening the door for all of us to start like really carving ourselves out a piece. And then it's like, Oh God. I know now it's a disaster. I don't You know, I'm so curious to see what they do with him. Like, it's uh, like if he's not criminally charged, you know, like are we, it was, are we talking just a lengthy suspension and then somebody, you know, he's so good. Right. Um, you did have an owner, you know, Bob Kraft do something of an analogous thing, although the, nobody accused him of of uh, that it was against anybody's will. Although, you know, one the, the, the you know, the power dynamics of paying. But, you know, again, it. it it, there is a, a massage parlor in which there is an understanding that you're going in there to pay for sex versus a real massage therapist who's like, you know, there is a difference there, you know, like. 
Well, um, I would just say, though, that the women working at the massage parlor where there is already the understanding aren't necessarily working there. Yeah, of course. Like, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because they want to. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't know. That that part of it is thorny. But um, I don't know. It's just what a... What a that just that was the sentence in that ESPN article today. That was just some quite really caught my eye. An insatiable appetite for <laughs> An insatiable massage therapy. Hunt for massage therapy. It just like it just puts it, you know, because even that article, the framing was that this is somehow this like complicated tale, and uh, who can quite figure out? Like once you're once you've said that somebody has an insatiable was on an insatiable hunt. <laughs> for massage therapy like it feels like you've said all you need to you right. know like <laughs> right why would anybody be seeking out m- tens dozens of different massage therapists for a home appointment you know what i mean right like, it seems like if you really just needed a good massage you'd probably find somebody good at it and stick with it i uh, well that was the other thing right it's like what what is the satiation point what does he need in order to be <laughs> satiated? Like, right? He's on the hunt for like the perfect massage. Right. That's like what we're led to believe. <laughs> right. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I guess. I mean, uh, not to get too far down the rabbit hole, but I was like reading this thing. Like, is this like is this the only way that he has he gotten to this place where like this is the only sex that will? <laughs> oh, I see satisfy him you know i mean it just seemed like a crazy uh amount of massage therapy (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't know right i don't know how we ruin our lives scott how we the ways that human beings sabotage themselves it's truly it never ceases to amaze right yeah i mean especially these people where the stakes are enormous i know i know you know but I, know. I guess whether you have a great life or a terrible life, your entire life are the stakes, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Things can go really wrong for you. Yeah. People make really, really poor choices. Right. <laughs> right. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of somebody who makes great choices, <laughs> RJ Barrett was a great choice. Great selection. Yes. I would say probably not even really a selection. It was really the default. Yes, but, I agree. Uh, but, God, it's so – oh, thank God he's good. Just – I don't thank know that God there's anything good. in my life that's a bigger relief. I have had both COVID vaccines, and I don't know that I'm more relieved about anything than I am about <laughs> R.J. Barrett's development. <laughs> right. And I'm not trying to be flip or insensitive or, or whatever, but I, you know, I've been extremely cautious during the, the quarantine. I, you know, I'm not an, uh, a COVID denier or anything like that, but I'm more relieved that RJ Barrett's good than I am that I had the vaccine. That's fact. right. It's indisputable <laughs> right. fact. Right. And maybe more grateful that he's good than the existence of a COVID vaccine. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I know you're so right. Thank God he's good. I mean, what a, what a blessing. Um, what we where we would be if he wasn't good you know yeah i mean it's where we were last year last year i was convinced he wasn't good and i don't know that i've ever been i've ever had more hatred for the knicks than i did last year just disdain for their existence it's true because they've been so bad that was the first draft where that badness had finally well not the first porzingis was i think the fourth overall pick but it was 
the latest. <laughs> but it, it was at least where, okay, we have been terrible, and now here's a prize. You're going to get a real top pick. And then, but the lead-up was, oh, my God, it's going to be Zion Williamson. Right. And, oh, John Morant. And then, oh, no. <laughs> right. We got the third pick, and it's R.J. Barrett. He had kind of this horrible NCAA tournament. The Duke team he was on was all about Zion. He was, you know, had entered that year as the kind of consensus, um, you know, prize, and then was a, was disappointing in his one year at Duke. Um, comes to the Knicks, it just felt like the ultimate consolation prize. Then he's kind of whatever as a rookie. Most of his issues in college looked like they were definitely going to translate to the pros. Couldn't shoot all that stuff, but. Uh, you know, especially like the last, like got off to a slow start this year, but the last like month and a half, I mean, he's just been awesome. Awesome. I feel like the Miami game too was like kind of a big turning point where I don't think I haven't read a ton about it or seen a lot about it, but do you remember the most recent Miami game? Because prior to the game, a lot was made about, you know, that there was that clip that, uh, what is his name? Tom Piccolo? Piccolo something. Yeah. Yeah. He, I know you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. He pulled that clip and, uh, and it was like Jimmy Butler giving RJ advice about how to get into his body when he's driving. And it's like, so it seemed like, Oh, Jimmy Butler seems to like RJ and something was going on where Butler was going at RJ like right. verbally during that, that heat game. And like those guys were going after him a little bit. And I feel like that to me was like, Ooh, and I was wondering how is he going to respond to that? And that was around the time where I think things really started to to skyrocket for him. But so, I mean, whether or not that's true, I could look at the schedule right now, but I just like to believe that because I like to believe he has a toughness, an edge. Uh, but, oh, my God, it's such a relief that he's good. And so let's go back to Friday night. Memphis Grizzlies in town. John Morant is here. And uh, – we came out to maybe the worst possible start you could have. Maybe the worst start of the whole season. I almost turned it off in the third quarter. I was almost just like, let me. It was getting depressing. Yeah. It was getting sad as you watched that game. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Plotting to turn I had off. the thought in my head, it's all been a lie. There was a moment yeah. where I was like, this has all been a big charade. Yes. <laughs> and I am a fool. <laughs> Which is still funny because. That's always that's like the lingering Nixness. That's like that's gonna be the final step is when we're that's no longer on the table. When you know when I no longer am like there's no performance I could see where I could think that this all of this has been a lie. Yeah, well, because the, the middle of the backdrop is like Julius is starting to struggle. Yeah, he's not shooting well. It's gone on now for a while. It's probably for a month that he's he's you know now it's even his three-point shootings dipped he you know he still makes those turnovers that kind of bother you so then rj was having a bad game quickly was having a bad game <laughs> derrick rose was keeping us afloat but then he was getting covid tired at the end and you're like oh man this is all what it, what dopes we are <laughs> <laughs> what simple fools i feel like the like one of the things that's really going to last with me for some time was, and again, this has been a major point of contention within our group text with our, our dear friend, friend of the program, Matt, where as soon as the Porzingis trade went down, I, my immediate reaction was like, 
oh, that has to mean that we're getting Durant and Kyrie. That that that's like how I put it together. And you were the holdout. And then I came up to the cabin where you are now and and you and I had like a uh, just a moment where it was the two of us, and it was funny because I remember it as a serious talk. It was like a like a friend, like going to a friend to tell them like maybe you have like a drug problem or like an alcohol problem, and you were like pretty serious, and you were like like you're really kind of setting yourself up. This is gonna be really bad, and I think it might hurt you. Like it was like you were trying to tell me I was with the wrong woman, or like it right. was a real conversation where like. I would say that your concern for me as a human was palpable right. over my excitement that it was inevitable we were going to – and you turned out to be a 1,000% right. Right. And your whole premise was just like, these jokers are not pulling this off. Like, it's too obvious. It's like, this has to go wrong. And you're setting yourself up for – and you were 100% right. I didn't get over it. That was really – and to me, that was the barrier between truly embracing Randall, truly embracing RJ – truly embracing almost anything about this season was the lack of trust that came from like the vulnerability of trusting them the last time. And so it is, I feel like the Grizzlies was an enormous step towards rebuilding just general trust. Yeah. That this is real. We can, we can believe like they're not going to like totally fold here. Um, even if they start to like <laughs> struggle, um, it's not going to go in a totally awful direction. Um, I don't know if you can hear what's happening. I in do. My... I... Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering about that. There is something happening. There's something afoot. Uh, this is what it probably would have sounded like had they lost that game, um, <laughs> in terrible fashion. Um, but um, I agree with you. Like I did, I was having this feeling like midway through the third quarter of just like, I can't believe it's going to go this way. You know, like we just yeah. not any good. Um, they're going to really fade here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, and 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 it was RJ who really I think down the stretch. You know, I think also you know Tibbs made some 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 smart moves. I really love the lineup he went with down the stretch of that game. But then R.J. Barrett just kind of like really put the team on his back, became this sort of really ascendant player that we've been desperate for. Um, and it was fun to watch. Yeah. The shooting, too, is just like the, oh, thank God. You know, because that, I mean, that's the thing that makes such an enormous difference, especially with him, because him being able to hit threes like that, like he is so strong and he could take guys to the basket. And now his ability to shoot from the outside is just like guys. Now guys have to really seriously run to close out on him, which then like gets him in the driver's seat in terms of manipulating guys. And then once he gets going to the basket, he is so strong. That was the thing I didn't really, I, I really personally like did not see. Not that it wasn't, clear i just i don't know i wasn't seeing it because i know earlier in the year we had a discussion where i was like what does rj do well you know and i yeah, said that yeah. and you know you got like it was you and matt were saying like he can get anywhere on the floor he wants to he's so strong and then it, that's that's just been evident and then the shooting is what really unlocks him entirely and now it's just like yeah. oh my god we have a good player like a really good player 
Yeah, I mean, and, and like I hate even posing the question, but this is the question of the, of the segment is like, how good do you think this guy can be? And, and it's like, it almost is like too quick and I just want to like enjoy it. And it's like, I've been seeing this on Twitter of like, oh, he could be the second best player on a contending team or he could be, you know, can he be more than that? And it's sort of like, who cares? Like, I just want to, it's really fun watching him develop. He's only 20 years old. Like, who wants to put a ceiling on it? Um, but I'm curious where where you are on that. Yeah, I don't, I think I'm pretty good about the same. Like, I don't know what the ceiling, I think to answer your question in a more roundabout way is that where I've landed on it now is I was really sick and tired of hearing about his age. Like, I don't care. I don't care how he looks age appropriate to be out there Yeah, and he's out there and I want him to be good and he's not good. And I don't really want to hear about his age because he's just as big as everybody. But now, now I like, now it is like, it's yeah, he's only 20. Like, I don't know how good he is because he's only 20. Right. You know, now his age does seem like a relevant factor. We're right. It is incredibly difficult to judge, but he's just going to keep getting better. Like, he, I don't think he's anywhere near. It's like, okay, this is the guy we've got. Like, I think he's going to get so much better. And right, yeah, I don't know, and I don't really even care, honestly, how good he can be. I just care that, like, oh, thank God he's good. Just I know, just yeah, God. I know. I know. I know, it's funny, and I don't care either that, like, he doesn't get this sort of respect that maybe he deserves, but it, it it's weird how long it seemingly has taken where it's like, here's this guy who couple years ago was like the most sought after college prospect goes to duke is on a great team and then like is the third pick in the draft goes to the knicks and it is weird like no one wants to talk about him you know (laughs) yeah um but i guess it has taken playing as well as he has of late and now it's kind of like undeniable has to be discussed yeah well and to me it's like you know, I just don't care about anybody talking about like to me. I also think what the what we've seen is like how well suited he's going to end up being to New York, especially when he gets good. I mean, it's not easy to suck here. And, you know, I think he's just he hasn't let it rattle like he's a year and a half later. He's really starting to make a jump. And like you look at these other guys that we have on the team, Knox and Frank and who got a lot more like, I guess, love and even leeway. I think, and, and and those guys just, they never really developed. And RJ, it just it didn't bother him. Yeah, I mean, he he's kind of the anti-Knox, right? Like, he, he took, yeah. like, he got this rope, the same rope that sort of Knox got in his rookie year and has just, like, consistently elevated himself, whereas Knox, like, took all the wrong lessons from his rookie year and is, like, not improved at all, like, seemingly has no, like, dog in him, you know, no no fight, like, um, whereas RJ has this seeming determination to kind of like um, improve. <laughs> Let's take a little quick little detour. Uh, why did Knox play last night? I'm not saying he shouldn't have. I'm just saying like, he, why? What was he doing out there? Yeah, I don't know. It is weird because like Obi's actually shown a little sign of life. I think it was because they were playing that zone and he was gonna, he was trying oh, to get him out of it. Yeah. Um, and he just wanted another shooter out there for a few minutes. So he was thinking like, like, to me, that, like, not that it's a big deal, but, like, that is all, the only kind of, that's been kind of my, like, hey, like, that's a good spot for Knox. Like, a team's playing zone. Put a three-point shooter out there. Like, see if you can get them out of it because that'll, 
like you know teams every team is different every game is different every game goes differently like that's not a terrible idea and then he, <laughs> you know I mean? and then he puts frank out there for the last like eight and a half seconds for last some defense. Night. Yeah. yeah like use the use the weapons that you have at your disposal right. like frank can play a little bit yeah i know um you know i love that he closed and against the grizzlies with uh that like quickly burks lineup um I thought was cool. Yeah, what did you say well, in the group text? It was like, what a great strategy by Tibbs to use his five best players. <laughs> right, at the same time, bold new approach. Yeah. Um, I know, that was, it was good. Where Where's your quickly meter right now? Where are you with quickly? Like, what is your assessment of him? You know, I, <laughs> I think he's really good. I wish he just played a lot more. Like, I, I understand that I I see the things that Tib sees that um, cause him to sometimes not play him, um, but I think that the positives outweigh any of the the cons. You know, like I understand the defensive concerns, I understand some of the playmaking concerns, I understand some of the shot selection concerns, but I just think what he opens up, what he unlocks, like. You know, especially with a guy like Randall, when Randall gets it in the post, like you can't move off of quickly. Um, you have to respect his shooting. Like, I think his defense is passable. Like, I just don't think it's the issue that, you know, some other folks do. Um, and I just don't think like he, he only plays most of his minutes with um, the, 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 the bench. So like, I'm, I'm in the same place I've been for a long time, which is like, I just wish he played more. I wish he played more with the starters. Um, I don't, it doesn't bother me that he is not the starter and like, doesn't play all the starter minutes, but I would certainly use him with the starters a hell of a lot more than we do. Um, I would play him in crunch time way more than we do. Um, that's like my feeling on it. Yeah. I guess it's interesting. Like, I would guess that one of the harder things about coaching basketball, particularly in the NBA, is like figuring out whether a guy is better off to play his way through some struggles and to kind of learn that way or to sort of get a little bit shielded and not be just sort of left out there while you're floundering and not playing that well. And I that probably is a difficult balance, and I'm sure that's somewhat a part of Tibbs's calculation i would think um you know i just generally i haven't had a problem with it. I, I agree i wish i saw more quickly i far prefer to watch emmanuel quickly over elfried payton there's no question right. like what would you rather watch um but you know i don't mind the way he plays like I would much rather he play sparingly as a rookie and grow into his role and then play a lot better than for him to like play a ton, you know, do well sometimes, make a ton of mistakes, ultimately like stunt his growth by playing too much and developing too many bad habits and then becoming some weird bench folk hero like Knox and Frank are. <laughs> I mean, I'm not worried about like him becoming, you know, I, I I'm like, I, trust he's good you know what i mean yeah. like i really think he's good um so i'm not worried he's gonna turn into a bad player like i i have no issue with like the approach of okay i'm not like he's this unquestioned starter and and 
he can do anything he wants. But like, you know, Tibbs has a much bigger leash for like, and, and justifiably so, but for like an Alec Burks, you know, who like, you know, makes some really, when he's the point guard, um, you know, makes some really questionable passes, like has some stretches where he really struggles. But, you know, he's a veteran. I, tr- I trust him too, especially in like fourth quarter where he's been, he's played so well. But like, um, you know, quickly not given that rope to kind of struggle in that way. Um, and c- since you do have Derrick Rose there, like I would also like when quickly is in the game that he got the ball and he, and he got to run with it a little bit because it seems like it suits him better. Yeah. Um, I think he struggles to kind of figure out how to, to play this sort of off ball. Um, you know, it's interesting like Rose, cause he's been both better than I thought he would be for us. But I do feel like some of the things I was worried about with him have shown up, you know, like, like what I do think, like, I do think when he's in the game, sometimes it's a little bit, we're, we're Derek Rose, we're the Derek Rose team. Mm -hmm. And I do think he's taken some minutes and touches and opportunities away from quickly. Um, And having him and Peyton on the team together has been kind of a bummer. You know, I really would rather we just pick one of those guys and send the other one packing um which isn't to say it's some there's times when like for five minute stretches derrick rose is like the best player on the court you know yeah like every game but then he also seems to wear down and there's stretches where i just think he's looking for his own shot too much um and i do think he has taken some of those like lead guard opportunities away from quickly who i'd like i prefer watching in that role and you know i think he ultimately would benefit us um but i'm not saying it's been a much better move than i thought it was going to be but some of the downsides i personally see they're still there yeah 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 uh so uh we're actually recording this a day early so it's it's still monday um we're facing the lakers tonight i believe sans they're two they're two-headed monster right they're not going to have lebron and ad yeah no right but they will have Andre Drummond. They will have Andre Drummond. I cannot emphasize this enough to everyone out there listening, especially our dear friend Matt, if he's listening. If Andre Drummond has a good game tonight, it does not justify having him for four years. <laughs> Did you want also, Andre Drummond? For... He will have a good game tonight. Right. Like, he's he going to play well tonight. Yeah, he's gonna play well. It does not matter, right? Because he, he's right. He's gonna out rebound Nerlens Noel. He's gonna out rebound Taj. He's just gonna out out rebounds everybody in the league. There's no shame in yeah. that. And he's gonna have a good game. He's gonna score 15 to 20 points. He's gonna have a couple of blocks. Right. It's okay that he's not on our team. It's it's not even okay that he's not on our team. It is preferable that he's yeah, not yeah. on our team. We don't want Andre Drummond. That's what I, I don't get. I don't get that there are Knicks fans who have lived through this century of the Knicks and are familiar with all the Knicks misstep and foibles and, you know, their predilections to such stupidity and are still just can't resist the catnip like Andre Drummond. Yeah. We should get him. It seems like catnip to me. It's just like, you you know that's not good for you. Why are you eating that? <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with you. I guess it like in defense of like, I will say there is a little bit of like Andre Drummond is worthless garbage, and like 
it would be a disaster if he was on the team where I, I can understand being like, what? Like, he's not that bad, even though he, he was playing pretty poorly this year because, like, you know, he was shooting, like, 47% from the field and, like, 40%. And, you know, all of his shots are, like, around the rim. And so for who he is, that's actually really bad, you know, and then he's not a good free throw shooter. So, like, that's a very inefficient player. Um and, and he hasn't been that way throughout his career. So he's had some seasons where, like, he's been genuinely very good. But he has been genuinely kind of bad this year. So you're talking about a guy who's playing poorly, who's going to cost some money, who is used to kind of being the best player on a team, like the chemistry issues. Like, it's just not somebody we needed at all. Um, but I can I can sort of appreciate the just, like, reflexive, like, it's not, like, He's terrible. You know what I mean? Like, he's not a horrendous basketball player. Right. I think what's hard to square is, like, I can admit he's not a horrendous basketball player. But, uh, like, us signing him to anything even resembling a long-term deal, I think, would be a horrendous move. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Right. Yeah. and Committing to him as our center for this run would be, like, a very strange and concerning move <laughs> yes. if the Knicks had done that. yeah, Right, yeah. and so I think yeah. that's where it's a lot of it is coming from with people who are like, Andre Drummond sucks. And it's like, you could defend him as a player, I guess. But even then, like, what are you really defending him for? Like, okay, yeah, he's been good. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, he's also a very traditional big man, which has sort of been phased out. Like, do we want as a part of our offense, like, we have to make sure we're getting post touches to Andre Drummond? Like, I right? Like, no, no, I can't yeah. even anything yeah. worse. We'd have to do. No. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, right? I, I guess I understand a sometimes reflexive need to like buck a trend that you disagree with, but like, fine. Andre Drummond is not a terrible player it would have been an absolutely disastrous signing for the Knicks. It would have just it would have just shown that the like same thing. It would have been like if we lost to the Grizzlies in the fashion it looked like we were gonna lose. Yeah, to them. yeah. This has all been a lie, a fraud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean I think I, I once called the Derrick Rose trade a canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Like the Andre Drummond signing would be like I don't know what's what's a level above a canary in the coal right. mine, but that's like when some like that's when you're in the coal mine and the guy next to you like does drop dead, and then you're like, oh, oh god, I heard the canary, and now this guy is on the floor. Right, it's too late. The killer is in the house. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's too late. Yeah. So yeah, no, thank God, you know, good riddance. Rack up all your rebound stats tonight. We're gonna win the game. In your face, Andre Drummond. (laughs) You are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener-supported radio. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our entire community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible tax to the fullest extent of the law. So if you thought you were going to get a tax deduction that was only partially legal or semi-legal <laughs> or, like, you know, street legal, right. no, fully legal. Fullest. <laughs> <laughs> so please support us for the monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate.
And hey, if you're filling out those taxes, you want to double that donation? Hey, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm not an accountant. I'm not going to dime you. I'm not calling the IRS on you. Look, they don't. Even, I'll tell you what. I just read some articles. There's not even anybody checking your taxes. So oh. hey, give us a hundred dollars. Write two hundred dollars on your taxes. There you, and you're welcome. There you go. You didn't get that <laughs> advice from us, but you know. Um. So Brian, you texted me yesterday. Uh, that you wanted to talk uh, on this week's show about Saquon Barkley and uh, his need to have a great season. And I don't think you're quite aware yet about how excited that text made me because I have felt for some time now that you were under the impression that it wasn't, it wouldn't be fair to be too critical of Saquon or, to uh, put too much pressure on Saquon. I, f- I don't know why. I don't know how valid it is or not, and, and you could confirm or deny it for us here, but I felt that you had a, a certain defense of, of Saquon, that you did not want to hear Saquon bashing, uh, or you weren't ready to, to be there yet. Whereas I, I've been ready to, to just say, like, Saquon, do something. Like, you are oh, who you yeah. are. Do just do something, and uh, to to feel that you're at least on that page or getting to that page was thrilling to me. Well, where I am not is like I still just don't care about the draft value capital of it all. Uh, should they have picked him number two? Blah blah blah. I don't care about that conversation <laughs> that much. Um, and I was listening to like, um, you know, Bill Barnwell and Robert Mays talk on the athletic show about it. And Barnwell, Bill Barnwell was very critical of the Giants and, and part of it, that pick. And and I totally get the idea that you shouldn't draft a running back in that pick. I, I'm not even like I would not do it. I totally think those people are mostly right. I, I just think if Saquon is who you think he potentially could be, I, I think there's a def- it can become a defensible thing to do. But. He hasn't been that guy. Right. <laughs> and he needs to be. And he had a great rookie year where it looked like he would be. Then he had a disappointing second year and where he got hurt and then wasn't as good as you wanted to be. And not only wasn't as good as, like, did he get hurt? Like, there were questions about his game. Like, can he run between the tackles? Right. He's kind of this home run hitter, you know, takes losses. Like, how good is he? Hasn't really in the passing game has, and maybe that's coaching, whatever, but for whatever the reasons are, hasn't materialized last year, his third year, totally lost year. So he has to be good this year. Like, you know, and if he is, and I do think there is a path where if he is great and he becomes this hall of fame running back for the giants, you don't have to, I don't care where he's drafted or whether that value ever pans out. One of the things Barnwell was saying was like, you know, what if the Giants had drafted Quentin Nelson, you know? And I was like, well, like, what if they did? I mean, what if they did? Like, that's not a franchise that changes the trajectory of the New York Giants if we have Quentin Nelson as guard right now. Like, you know, that, I mean, that's a good, would have been a good pick, but like, it doesn't make, we're not, you're not going into this season feeling anything differently about the Giants, I don't think, if we have Quentin Nelson at guard. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it looks like, um, you know, Sam Darnold wouldn't have been even been a pick that really would have moved the needle. So, like, and that whole discussion aside, like, um, 
he's just got to be good this year. And I'm tired of hearing about, like, he has this thing where, he, you know, he works so hard. And you, you can tell he wants to be really great. And his quads and the whole thing, like, that guy's got to be good this year. And not just good. Like, he's got to be the best running back in the league. He, like, I, if he's not an MVP candidate, I'll be disappointed in his season. Like, he needs to be incredible. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I actually, I, I agree with, like, I'm a big believer in sunk costs. You know, like, I agree with you. The fact that we use the number two overall pick on him is, it's already done. We use that yeah, pick. Yeah. We're not getting that back. So that's just irrelevant. It's just like, who cares where we picked him? Except for the fact that it's like, yeah. when I mean, sort of similar, right, some of the discussions we've had about Randall recently over text where it's like, Oh, are people being unfair to Randall? He carries the team. Like, you know, the guy's not shooting quite as well, but gosh, he's still awesome and putting up these triple doubles and whatever. And I agree with all that. And at the same time, I also see the point in when you're an all-star and you're the star player of a team, there's a certain level of accountability that you face that is, you know, it's part of the deal. And it's the same thing with Saquon. You got to be the second pick. You got all the the trappings of that. And so it is fair if, if you're not playing up to your, you know, what you was expected of you, we're going to be upset. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like forget whether he should have been the number two pick in the draft. If he was our second round pick, I'd be a little disappointed at this point. Yeah. Like, he has had one good year and then two, like, you know, a, a second year that was okay and a third year that was a total sunken sunk year. So, like, forget, like, they just need him to be good. They're counting on him to be good and, like, if he's not, then, I mean, then it does become just this, like, crippling disaster, you know, and I, and I that I don't want to see happen. Um, so, I mean, there's a just couldn't, you know, I mean, we've talked at nauseam about Daniel Jones. And, yes, there's so much pressure on Daniel Jones. But, like, there is just as much pressure on Saquon Barkley. Like, I don't want to hear about the offensive line not being good. Like, right. The scheme, like, that dude has to be good this year. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I think, too, is, like, he doesn't just have to be good. He has to be good, and it has to make us good. Like, right. you know, he has to be a critical piece in the offense that, you know, really is, like, a, a guy that defenses have to game plan for so that it opens things up for other guys. Right. In the offense and makes life easier for Daniel Jones. It makes play action more dangerous. It just helps Galladay and Ingram and all those guys. And I thought one of the, you know, I listened also to the Mays Barnwell discussion. And to me, I, I like, I, I actually stood up because I agreed. And I was just like, yes, somebody said, but it was when uh, I can't remember. I think it was Barnwell who said the Giants have a bunch of nice players who do not move the needle. Yeah, you know, and that's Saquon too, because even in his best year, what was our record in his rookie year? You know, yeah, I think we went six and ten, yeah, five and eleven, right, something, yeah. something like that. And 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 then it, it, then it does become like, you know, okay, I don't want you. It's like I'm also not going to accept a good statistical season from Saquon where we're five and eleven again. You know, like you need to contribute to winning. Yeah, I agree. It has to matter. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't want just a good statistical season. I want to I want to be like we are winning games, you are playing great and you have made a significant 
difference on our team. Like, absolutely. Right. And even I don't even care about his stats, but if his if his stats don't even hit his rookie year numbers. But, you know, it's clear that Daniel Jones is throwing into bigger windows because linebackers are accounting for Saquon and Jones has all all the space in the world to hit those over routes to Galladay. That's Saquon helping. That's Saquon contributing to winning. You know, so like let's do let's do and see more of that. Now I think Saquon's probably in the same situation as Jones, right? Where it's like there's a lot. Uh, those two are both leaning heavily on Jason Garrett to get them in yeah. the right spots. That's true. That's a handicap <laughs> for both of them. Yeah, it is. But I'm not giving either one of them that excuse. Correct. You know, like yeah. Correct. Like you must overcome your situation a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, as you know, Russell I Wilson whole... does, and as you know, plenty of these guys in the NFL do. Right, you're right. They don't like Russell Wilson. No one's like, oh well, he has Brian Schottenheimer, so that's why you know. It's like, no, you're Russell Wilson. Like you need to be great. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, I am. I am happy to put a little pressure on Saquon. You know, and, no, and look, it's great that he's a it. nice guy. He's not coming over to my house for dinner. <laughs> so, like, you'd rather he be a nice guy than a piece of garbage. You know, I'm glad he's not insatiably pursuing massage therapy. Right. I was just going to say, and who knows? Maybe he's not. Maybe he has an insatiable. <laughs> he's on an insatiable quest for who knows? I don't know. What else? Right. Right. But right. He's not coming to my house for dinner. Right. So that's it. Right. You know, play well. Make my team good. Make me happy on a Sunday afternoon in an otherwise miserable fall. And make us stop having to talk about taking you number two in the don't make yes. it this thing. Like, make it so that we can be like, hey, whatever. Okay. Maybe it's not, it's too high for a running back. But boy, what a running back. Like, that would be nice to be able to say, you know, like, because I do get so sick of the draft. I hate the term draft capital so much I can't even <laughs> take it. It's picks. It's not a mixture of assets. It's capital. It's not picks. You did right. Um, and the way people talk about the draft and value and like God, the way that people like have the excitement they get for a trade of like they got two draft picks. Did you hear the part where they were talking about Laramie Tunsil and yes. whether he's the most valuable yeah. draft pick? Versus Patrick Mahomes, you know, like they were right. conceding that Mahomes is a more valuable draft pick. But really, when you think about what the right. Dolphins got, right. like, what are you, like, <laughs> you sound deranged. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're just as deranged as Dave Gettleman talking about hog mollies or Larry Tunsil. Yes, the Dolphins, they got both a nice player for them and then traded him for all these picks. It's done nothing for them. That's so true. That's so true. The Chiefs have been to an AFC championship game, won a Super Bowl, and been to the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. Like, they're those. It's just like the point of the draft is not accumulating more draft picks. It's getting (laughs) players that win games. Like, it's just like shut up, and just approach that as though that was this like savvy like, you know that. Think about that pick. The value that the Dolphins, the Dolphins, they don't even, they don't have Laramie Tunsil on their team, nor any players that they traded. Tun- you know, it's like, yes, was it a good move? Sure, I guess so. It has helped them in their rebuild that has not borne any actual fruit yet. Right. <laughs> just like, well, 
and right, and you see this in the NBA too, and and it's like it's it just becomes like media talking points, but it's just like if someone is able to make lemonade out of lemons, that's nice and all, but like I would just prefer if someone had a lemonade tree. I you know, I don't know that's I, the analogy lost me, but like right, like I didn't get the lemons. Right, it's just like you made the best of a terrible situation, but you were in a terrible situation because you're terrible versus, you know, just getting Patrick Mahomes. You just skipped right to the end. Right. But just like a savvy trade of a, of offensive lineman for some extra picks is not in the same stratosphere of trading up to get Patrick Mahomes as a move. Like, it's just, I don't know. Not even close. I just would like, to never have to talk about that number two pick ever again. <laughs> and so could he just be good so we don't, can save a little face and not have to discuss it ever again? I agree. As a matter of fact, I, I am willing to enter into a pact with you to just not discuss it anymore. It's just like, I don't care when he was picked. Because you know what, too? Zeke was picked high for a running back, and he also got an enormous contract for a running back and it's still both still get mentioned. I'm not going to say like, Oh, nobody says it with Zeke. That's not true at all, but it's not like the lead line when you're talking about Ezekiel Elliott as a football player, you know, yeah. like, no, it's like, this was this like inflection point of when running back value had reached its lowest point. The giants took like, you know, I mean, look, it's not it's not even close to as bad as like Leonard Fournette, right? Where yeah. the, the Jaguars who were desperate in the year Deshaun Watson and Mahomes are in the draft. They take Leonard Fournette like that's as horrible a pick as you could <laughs> right, ever possibly right, yeah. make. So I don't think I don't see it that way. Like, as it turns out, the quarterback, you know, that the Giants should have taken was Josh Allen. But that was a guy that all the draft gurus hated, too. So, yeah. like, nobody was saying they should do that. So there, it really was a. It wasn't a it was a tough year to have the number two overall pick right well and also too you know josh allen thing is it does seem incredibly likely that he's been developed really well by a really solid coaching staff which the giants yeah. have also lacked up until right you know so with no telling if we got josh allen that would have made any difference it's true and to transition us into our our next topic of of sam darnold is, is sam darnold did the jets put their stink on him <laughs> or, or was he previously stinky? I don't know. Like, I was wanted, I, like, have you ever seen anybody be as bad as Sam Darnold with, and have it hurt their, like, standing in the public as little as seemingly it did with Sam Darnold? You know, where there's still this belief that he's, like, super promising. Um, and I feel like even among Jets fans, I see so many Jets fans who are like, Sam, we love you. It's not your fault. It's like, is it not his fault? I don't know. Like, I know Adam Gase. I mean, is Adam Gase just like a raving moron who's like drawing plays in Cran and like, you know what I mean? Like, he's that bad. That like Sam Darnold was terrible this year. Right. I mean, I don't. All right. So Adam Gase is he that bad? I don't know, but I'm defaulting to yes based almost entirely off of his crazy eyes press conference right I, that was it that ended his tenure with the jets was the crazy eyes and that sounds ridiculous yeah. that's not analysis really like you know no one would pay anyone to say to give that analysis and yet it's the correct analysis right that it's was just a fact it was oh right exactly you can't recover from that i'm a human i don't need to be in football i don't need to be i'm just a human being 
Who right. is that crazy person? Right. I'm, I'm not listening. <laughs> He's fired. Right. <laughs> What's wrong with that guy? This is a terrible mistake. All right. But I mean, that aside for a second, you know, I will say one of the things that I did not want us to draft Sam Darnold that year, and that was almost entirely based on uh, that January, USC played Ohio State in a non-playoff bowl. It was one of the big bowls. I can't remember which bowl. It doesn't matter. Who cares? But, uh, you know, it was not for the championship, but Ohio State played USC that year, and we absolutely pantsed Sam Darnold. I can't remember how – I think he threw – might have thrown four interceptions against us, and he looked lost. I mean, he looked lost. And I know that uh, one of the big media talking points after that game was that you know, at the time, Greg Schiano was our defensive coordinator, at Ohio State, and it was like, you know, he was running NFL schemes, and Ohio State had a lot of NFL talent on the field, and it just doesn't look like Darnold can perform against NFL talent. Now, you hate to put too much on one game, but, I mean, he looked horrendous. And it, I think if you, if you cared about that game and you watched that game as I did, and then the, the I'm seeing ghosts out there soundbite of Darnold comes out, which also was just unfair to him in so many ways. But it's like, okay, those two things, like, put together aren't terribly surprising when you think about it. Because, like, if if you'd have told me that was something he had said on the USC sideline in that bowl game, I would have, you know, I would have been like, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. Is he good? Yeah. I mean, he's interesting because he is this, like, I don't know. I don't want to get into this whole thing, but like, it's just funny because he's a, he's a white quarterback who has a lot of physical talent, who doesn't seem to like process things. <laughs> you know, like it would be so fascinating the way he would be discussed. Like he threw a lot of interceptions in college. You know, like right. Um, and he's thrown a lot of interceptions in the pros, um, and that's been his real problem. And then you'll see a play he'll make that's, like, incredible. Like, you know, he's made some throws that are just, like, yeah, some of those unbelievable, are, and, he, oh, and he's pretty crazy. mobile, and he, and he can move around. Um, but he's just, like, not productive, you know what I mean? And I know the Jets haven't had a lot of talent, and they obviously had crazy eyes as the coach, <laughs> but... And he, and he's young. He came into the league a little bit younger than than normal, um, so that he, he gets that. Um, and I guess I mean it's not like his reputation has taken no hit. Um, you know, he got traded for I think what like a second three picks. One of the best one was a second rounder. It's not like he got a haul, but like there's just so many people who will tell you still that like oh man that guy all he's got to do is find the right spot um and it's based on like so little <laughs> yeah i i will say i guess you can't you can't quit on the guy because i do think that uh one of the reasons he ended up he ended up in carolina was um matt rule liked him and when matt rule was gonna take the jets job uh he liked darnold enough that that he wanted to do that, and that's who he ends up with in Carolina. And I think Matt Rule seems to know what he's doing. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I think it's, like, the same thing. It's where we expect Saquon to kind of overcome the coaching staff a little bit. Uh, it's the same thing. Like, 
Darnold could have done more, you would think, to overcome even, you know, crazy eyes. Yeah, it's just always interesting who we we give that um, that their circumstance, you know, wreck yeah. them versus who we say, oh, they're not good. You know, remember like David Carr is always the example. Like he played these bad offensive lines and it ruined him. You know, I don't know, maybe he wasn't any good. <laughs> or like Java Chamberlain, remember like the Yankees, like yes. they yo-yoed him back and forth and wrecked him. It's like right. maybe he was just like overweight and not good. Right, right. Um, you know, I don't know that, that they ruined him. Um, and then who we don't allow that grace to, who, you know, other guys we just decide like, nope, no, they're so not good, stinks. you know, and it's interesting who gets the benefit of the doubt and who doesn't. Right. Like, what would you say, do you think, here's an interesting guy, Jameis Winston, has or has not received the benefit of the doubt? I don't know. That's a really good one. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, on the one hand, I think a lot of people think he really stinks. Like, he, I mean, he's a perfect example, right? Like, who, him versus Darnold. Like, he has more, there's more reason to say to be, optimistic about Jameis Winston's future, I think, than Sam Darnold's. Like, Jameis Winston has had a lot more success as an NFL quarterback than Sam Darnold. But I do think you would get a lot of snickers if you said, if I, <laughs> from people, like, would get th that reaction to what I just said. I think I would get a lot of people who would laugh at me for for saying that. No, I agree <laughs> with you. And I think that's, that's just, the, that's it. That's the perfect illustration. You know why? Because we've seen a ton of Jameis. So yeah. we know the high, we know how high his highs are and we know how low his lows are. And it actually probably gets us to a spot where we can really properly assess Jameis Winston. Whereas with Sam Darnold, we haven't been able to see him nearly as much because of mono and injury and like, you know, those types of things. So there's like still so much unknown out there. And that's sort of what gets me sometimes too about all the Frank and Knox talk. It's just like people believe that Knox can come into a basketball game and have an impact because they don't see him play. But if we were getting like a steady diet of Knox on a night to night basis, you would be like, why is Knox playing? And I think that that's like kind of what you get with Darnold where it's like, there's enough unknown there that people are just assuming that there's great unknown there that we're just untapped. And where is all that? When it's just like, yeah, when you get a good look at this guy, it's just, you know, it is right. It is. If you get more of him, you might just get more bad. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. That's yeah. very true. So I think that's where, so speaking of, uh, I just wanted to, to give a quick rant here to, to maybe bring us towards the end or at least down, bonus time i don't know if you're aware of this brian but the yankees are having major trouble the season is in <laughs> dire straits just jeopardy because they cannot hit the ball with runners in scoring position and it is out of control <laughs> and this will continue all season long i'm sure and never revert to any kind of statistical mean <laughs> right right i mean i know hitting with runners in scoring position, obviously it's important. And obviously it's like a thing that, that can be tracked statistically and some guys are better at it than others and so on and so forth. But just like, maybe, I, I don't know if, you know, yeah, right. some, I mean, over a full 162, I don't know. Ex some guys are really better at it than others. Yeah. I agree with you. And that was the thing. It's like, I was watching the game yesterday and, uh, you know, uh, DJ LeMahieu came up late in the game uh, which is a pretty critical situation. 
I think we had runners on first and second, maybe. And he just grounded out. And it was disappointing. And, and, and you even, Michael Kay was like, you know, LeMahieu last season was so good with runners in scoring position and just has not been so far this year. Like, so far this year literally means one week and three days. So yeah, that's, nine games, I think. Right, right? that's yeah. nothing. And there's no reason to expect it to continue. Like, DJ LeMahieu is a good hitter. DJ LeMahieu is going to hit well. Sometimes there will be runners in scoring position. Sometimes there will not be runners in scoring position. Sometimes he'll go, get out when there's nobody on base. Sometimes he'll get he'll get hits with people on base. Like it just seems like like I don't even know. I I wish I had you know I probably should have thought this out before we were recording. But some analogy where it's like Yankee fans get so ginned up, and, and then the season starts, and like unless everything is absolute perfection instantly, it's just like they the the we start looking for problems, and you're just like my God, just. Do we have to panic about Aaron Judge with runners in scoring position this week? Yeah, I guess it's it's been you know the Yankees. It's like it's been eleven years now since they won a championship or longer, I guess whatever it's been. And you know you're going to be good, and it's just a, it's all about a value. What is one of the things that are going to come back to bite us in the postseason? That are like we know we're going to be there, but why are we going to come short? And it's just hard not to start that process immediately. Right. And it's so true. <laughs> and it's so funny because I obviously I think you're the person in this world with whom I discuss sports most frequently. Um, but like us being as into the Knicks this year as we've been because they've actually been watchable for an, a full NBA season. And Matt in the group text, it's like so funny when, when like – look back if if we went back and just looked at the Knicks schedule sort of game by game and think about over the like what is it 70 games this season just the wild swings people are capable of where like you know look there was a point in the season where all three of us were on board with like why do we ever need to see Reggie Bullock again <laughs> like yeah because he's awesome that's why we need to see good. him again yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. same with like uh Burks and like you know, these seasons get so long to me. It's just like, yeah, I get it. Right. Like for, for a team like the Yankees, it doesn't really matter until we get to the end of the season. But so then I just, it's, it's funny to me that then the, the response to that is, so why waste time? Let's start freaking out now. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, right. I don't know. Maybe enjoy now. Cause it'll get painful later. If things don't right. go well, it's gonna get burned in October. Like this is when it's okay. Yeah. You can, you can afford a, like a slow April or whatever. Right. 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 <laughs> and on that, I want to send everybody off into their slow April. The radio show is ending. Thank you for listening. Follow us on social radiofreebrooklyn.com org something. <laughs> Bonus time. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I really had to say about it. I, I'm just like, I can't even listen to it. And it's the same thing. Cause it's the same thing with the Knicks. It's like, you know, because some people will, will say like, but uh, yeah, but I just want to know, like, are we going to be in the playing tournament? Are we going to have a spot? Are we going to miss it? Like, what's going to happen? Like, nobody has that answer. They're, yeah, like, that's the point. That's the thing. Right. So just watch <laughs> the games and root for the team and see where we're at. Like, it's just like, enjoy it. And, you know, enjoy caring. Yeah. I'm trying with the Mets to not freak out their slow start. But um, it's just like, it's making me itchy. <laughs> Well, I mean, the Mets carry like a different, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, it's not as it's not as guaranteed they're going to be there in the end. But uh, 
you know, just everybody's gotten off to a bad start. Lindor's been terrible. Alonzo's been bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're losing Jacob deGrom start still. The bullpen's been terrible. Everything you were a little worried about has gotten the Conforto, who's dealing with a contract, that all thing, and he's been awful. So you wonder, oh, God, is that weighing on his mind? Um, everything. It's been just the, like, the full, oh, no, Mets experience <laughs> for, for it's only five games, but then they and they – this weird screw up around the rain delay. And I will say, could we get the same level of accountability that is given to a bad rain out decision on our baseball teams to like COVID protocol? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, or like, school closure. The same scrutiny that we give to the Mets bad decision, admittedly bad decision to start the game when it turned out it rained. And they should not have started that game <laughs> to like 500,000 lost lives to <laughs> all, all, you know what I mean? Like the, the level of vitriol, the Mets experience, and it was a poor decision. They should not have started the game, but they, the forecast was such that they thought they might be able to play the game in rain. And it turned out, and the consequences are Marcus Stroman threw three pitches and he shouldn't have. And now he'll have to start another day in game six you know like okay <laughs> and luis rojas has to go out there and explain himself and just like how could they do that it's like all right they screwed up Jeez, louise i don't know if i just found it like the the, the vitriol that they received for that you know they were wrong well the, you know the Mets fans are chinned uh, up <laughs> We do have a weird – I was thinking about this. Like, I do feel like if you are a, a Mets-Jets person, then you are – you should be relegated to the Nets. That's who you should have to root for if you're <laughs> – like, you just need to be all Ets. And why does New York have so many teams named Ets? Right. Why is that? Yeah. Did the Nets do it intentionally? Right, but they started out – they weren't even in New York. They started out in Jersey. Right. You know? I don't know. But I do right. think – this is we'll call it the Ed Clause. If you're going to do that to yourself, where you're going to root for the Mets and the Jets, then you have to default to the Nets. And if you're going to keep the Knicks, then you have to either ditch right. the Mets or the Jets. Right, because otherwise you're just it's your stink that is on the Knicks. Right. You might like you. We deserve the right to see what happens if you root for the Nets. Yes, because maybe it would unlock. All of the mix potential. Right. It could. <laughs> maybe you are the problem. Yes. In fact, yeah. I'm dropping maybe. I'm going with that's the problem until proven that it's not right. the problem. Right. <laughs> who who do you think Ed would drop? The the Mets or the Jets? Oh wow. Well, wait. So you're like because he definitely would or assuming he would not go with the Nets. Right. Yes. Yeah. He would stick with the Knicks. I think the Jets. Me too. Me too. He, yeah. But he wouldn't root for the Giants. He would just choose, like, you know, I don't know. He'd root for, like, yeah. the Tech. I would, tell you, I would definitely drop the Mets. It's, like, this unusual bit of circumstance that has forced me into Mets fandom. Yeah, but um, you're also a Giants fan. I'm talking about the Ets, the Ets people. No, I hear you. I'm just yeah. saying. Um. Well, they're they're hurting us, is all I'm saying, and we yeah. we need to figure out a solution. We do. 
Oh, God. All righty. All right, well, on Brian. that note. Yes. Another wonderful episode. And uh, thanks everyone for listening.